Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama prom. Yeah, it's the prom episode. Doesn't feel like a prom episode. I don't know when. Pro- I don't really know when prom happens yeah, in the states. We, we don't have prom. We no. have graduation, which but, which is prom. Which, yeah, but it also prom also happens every single year in the states. It feels like yes, <laughs> or at least everyone can go to prom. I think I went to some schools that I don't know because they're not in grade twelve. No, that's right. We know that for sure. It's very clear this the- episode they are juniors. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the other thing we don't actually understand how prom works and what prom is, and I barely even know what homecoming is. So I guess this party that we see, yeah, then is only for the juniors, and there's a different party. That the seniors go to. Yeah, and Cheryl's not a senior. Which we weren't sure about. Because I thought, she her big thing this uh, is episode is that she wants to be prom queen. So I thought maybe she only she prom queen because she's a senior, but then that turns out not to be not the case. Not to be correct. Which so, is why it's too bad that Josie left, because then we'd know. We would know for sure if Josie was there. Um, but also that's just also us being Canadian and not knowing the ins and outs of high school, of American high school life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we just. Yeah. I mean, Canada is very similar to the States, but there's a lot of things where we're just like, what? <laughs> Do we have, have homecoming's the beginning of the year, right? Yeah. 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 Homecoming is like the big football game that kicks off the season. Okay. So all of the alumni come home. To come to the party. That's so, why it's the homecoming. But w- wait, so it's for the people who aren't in school? Yeah, the people who aren't in school. Well, I mean, the people who are in school go as well. And it's like a big party for everyone who's gone to the school. I don't. <laughs> I actually know what homecoming is because I went to Queens and Queens has homecoming. That doesn't sound fun to me. It's like a whole thing. You go back to your college town for a weekend. There's a parade. There's a football game. There's a dance. That doesn't sound fun to me. Well, some people like to relive their glory days, and some people like football parties, and you like neither of those things. It's it, it, it's just like, I don't, I don't like the concept of being like, all right, come to this party. There'll be teenagers there, there'll be really old people there, and they'll all be pretending they're teenagers. <laughs> well, you know. The teenagers will be pretending they're not teenagers, and the not teenagers will be pretending they're teenagers. It's like a family reunion. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is... I guess that's not what the family reunion we went to was like. No, and that's not how many family reunions should be like. Yeah, you're right. But it's not homecoming; it's prom. There was a homecoming. Homecoming was like the first episode of Riverdale, if I wasn't wrong. Because there was a dance. Remember, Riverdale was one where there was a party almost every single episode. Yeah, that was the back to school party. It was just back to school, not homecoming. Yes, because in this episode, Veronica says how far we've come from back to school dance to junior prom. <laughs> back to school dance last year. Yes, it's been three seasons, but only two, two years because the first, se- the first and the second season are both first year. Because the first season was short. Yes, it's true. And the second season was long. <laughs> and the third season just keeps going on and on and on, but we are reaching the end of it. Two more episodes after this. Yeah, this is Riverdale, Season 3, Episode 20, Prom Night. Prom Night. So, as a reminder to everyone, we ended last episode by learning that uh, Betty's dad, in his transfer that makes no sense... 
that there was a car accident and there were no survivors. And what we discover in this episode... Is that that armored bus exploded. Yeah, it was a full stop explosion. There are sheriffs who are not FP there. There's there are fire. Crime scene investigators, people wearing like hazmat suits. Yeah, it's... And, and Betty and Veronica drive up on a road that I think we have driven down before. For those of you who don't know, we lived in Vancouver for a year and we a also, half. We also visit... Vancouver. We also visit BC a lot, and that list looks like a BC road. Yeah, they're driving through the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, <laughs> you can <laughs> see them in the background. <laughs> so they drive down that country street we've been on so many times. And as they pulled up, all I'm thinking is, please, please don't let these teenagers into the crime scene. Please don't let these teenagers into the crime scene. Luckily, Sheriff FP is there. Yes. And the only teenager he wants in crime scenes is his son. (laughs) Who he wants in every crime scene. (laughs) You know, maybe he would let them in if he had had a chance to call Jughead. (laughs) Jughead, should I let, uh... (laughs) I'm not very very good at being a sheriff. Oh, he is still sheriff. Oh, yeah, he did not lose his job for committing a robbery. (laughs) That was last episode, right? I guess maybe they gave the money back to Pop. I mean, yeah, yeah, because Kurtz is dead now. He doesn't need that money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, they took it off his corpse and gave it back to Pop. Yeah, so they let him keep his job, which is good because there was extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. His daughter was kidnapped. His arm is in a sling. So that's good. Yeah, and it's actually, it's actually kind of cool. He, this episode takes place over a week. It's sort of clarified for us. He, he actually loses the sling by the end of the episode. Which seems reasonable. Which does seem reasonable. Um, though, yeah, so uh, Betty and Veronica arrive, and Betty is very, very sure that Hal escaped. She, in fact, says, it's him. The Black, the Black Hood has returned. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times in this episode she says the Black Hood is back, I, I feel like it's just them being like, we got to do, do a bunch of those, because I don't know which one we're going to use for the promos. So just just keep her saying it. We'll pick the most dramatic moment. And they <laughs> accidentally kept all of them in. Betty, we're not going to tell you when to say the Black Hood is back. Just when you're feeling it as we're recording, just say the Black Hood is back. It's room for improv, Lily. We know that you're a strong actor. I want to point out for one second that the back of this that, of this armored bus is blown off. Yeah, and it's completely burned out. Like, this was a s- sabotage situation. Yeah, and FB is like, like no, we're sure, like, there, there are five prisoners plus um, the driver. One guard. Plus, plus the driver, and we found six heads. Horrifying. Which, which, which again, feels like an explosion. Well, then he says, yeah, we'll try to get some DNA if we can put the bodies back together. What happened to this truck? Like, I like I guess it detonated, but from the inside? I mean, Hal did it. He has to have done it. Okay, here's like, there's no way that he could have done this alone. I don't I don't think he's sneaking saltpeter into his cell and building a bomb. But, I mean, he is a serial killer, and some people think serial killers are sexy. <laughs> oh, no, clearly Pen- someone... Penelope had, was visiting him. Clearly someone has to have helped him. Maybe Penelope. Who helped him? I don't Not know. Not the Gargoyle King, because... I don't know. We'll find I, out. Hopefully. We probably won't. All right. Well, uh, let's head back into town where Molly Ringwald Andrews has returned to the series. Because, uh, F, not FP, Luke Perry Andrews took the truck and drove off. Never to return. Yeah, they're... They're uh they're doing their best with the with the bad situation, but uh, right now uh, she arrives and Archie's like, oh, I would have picked you up, but Dad took the truck, and uh, uh, which no. means that Luke Perry Andrews went out of town and stranded of- <laughs> his son with no vehicle. He also is out of town. Like, no, wait, Archie has a car. He has his jalopy. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I just want to... I <laughs> just didn't pick his mom up. I do like, I do like to point out that he also did, like... Like, it, at first it would sound like he was just out. Like, he wasn't... Yeah, he was go, just driving he was, about. He was just around. Like, he had all go up and do something. But no, later at the end of the episode, they make it clear that he is out. He's gone somewhere. Now, Molly Ringwald Andrews air. She's like, why are you here? Am I in trouble? I didn't kill a man. <laughs> she's like, I know, I know. I'm I, just visiting you, Archie. I just want to see how things are going. Also, Archie, you've been left home alone. So maybe your parents decided you needed an, ad- an adult. Not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, Betty uh, does what she's going to do a lot of this episode, which is think about her dad and then go to her mom. Is it weird to you that she can just walk back in? Remember the last time she interacted with this cult? And they chased her like zombies to her car? Yeah, it's it's very weird to me that she not only can stroll in, but is willing to. to. Yeah. Every here's here's the problem I'm seeing about this episode. Everybody apparently silently decided to just ignore what happened with the farm last time she was there. Well, I mean, Alice does say, "Did you come to kidnap more babies?" I don't want to be to retort with, "Did you? Are you going to try to kidnap me again?" Yeah. <laughs> you, it's a kidnapping cycle you here, Mom. Ran after me. <laughs> now, Alice is mean. She's mean to her daughter. Yeah. Betty's yeah. like, dad's alive. He escaped. And Alice is like, you're dumb. Why would he escape? Why are you even thinking about your dad? You're a dumb dummy, Betty. Look at my tattoo. Why are you thinking of the past? You can't think of the past. And Betty's like, no, I'm thinking of the right now. She's 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 gone from, hey, don't let the past restrain you, to thinking, to even considering the past exists is the dumbest thing a person can do. You should never reflect on the events in your life, ever. Yeah. But she did get a tattoo. It's an infinity sign. Edgar told her to, instead of giving her an engagement ring. Well, she considers it an engagement ring. So, <laughs> clearly, he's not planning on giving her an engagement ring. Do you think she's actually marrying him? Or is she just very confused? He is not... If he, if she is not, Edgar is doing nothing to, to, like, dissuade her from thinking that, and in fact, in many ways, isn't forcing it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. He he needs to friendzone her real fast. Right away. <laughs> oh, Edgar. Well, let's head over to the old uh, Cooper household, now the... Jones the, household. The Jones estate. And I noticed that in the dining room, the Joneses have put... A pool table. We talked about that last episode. I know. Yeah. So we were right. There is a pool table there. I love it. Yeah. Um, Jellybean's pretty sad because her mom abandoned her. And Jug- Jughead, without essentially telling your mom is kind of terrible and a drug queen pin, and I guess just abandoned the drug trade. Yeah, just left it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, her cooker is dead. So. That's true. Um, is is it just like? No, this is probably the best for everyone involved and might be the least selfish thing she's ever done. Now, Jellybean, how was your kidnapping situation? <laughs> no, he, what he says is, hey, maybe you should stop playing um, G&G. And Jellybean, being a rational human being, is just like, I really don't see what the problem is. It's just a weird game where you dress up. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what? What is, what is your problem? <laughs> it seems like anything about this is something that you people are somehow doing to yourself. Whereas if you just treat it as a game. 
it's fine. It's fun. Yeah, all, we, all, we dress up, all of us. And, and then all he's us. like, who's all of us? It's like, well, I wore a crowd and Ricky wore ears and the Gargoyle King had tiny hands. And then Ed's like, what? You met the Gargoyle King? <laughs> Jughead, <laughs> you met the Gargoyle King. Jellybean, oh, they, they forget the Gargoyle King exists. Like, in this episode, I feel like their, their memory's flickering on the Gargoyle King. Like, I don't think they understand what happened in the beginning of the season, which is good because I don't. <laughs> I appreciate Fair. how Jellybean uh, reacts to the Gargoyle King like any human being would. Is where she just go, where she sees him and goes, "Oh, what a weird thing you're wearing, person." <laughs> and then the Gargoyle King said, "Here's a quest: <laughs> find the Chronicles Gospel." Oh, the Gospel, right? And then she's like, "I sort of tried. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Now I'm not playing the game you anymore. You need to find the Gospel to enter the kingdom." <laughs> Jellybean gave it a good hour of work. No, wait, seventy-two hours. <laughs> She did try for 72 hours. She did give it a couple days where she didn't return home. And, and then, then she, she was like, bored. what am I doing? And I guess she got bored. She got hungry, went home. <laughs> we've, been out, we've been out of the house for like 48 hours. I haven't had a, I haven't had a quest bar in, in so long. Ricky, I'm done with this quest. Give me the food quest. <laughs> the new quest is I want munchies. So. <laughs> Let's go. We're going to the 7-Eleven, getting Slurpees and Munchies. And then we're going to my house, and we're going to watch seven hours of Stranger Things. I'm going to teach <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to write, how to light tennis balls on fire. Let's go, Ricky. <laughs> oh, Jellybean. Such a good child. <laughs> but the gospel is hidden where the Gargoyle King keeps his secrets. And because Jughead is still involved in this game, he's like, oh, I must figure this out. <laughs> I need to complete that quest. Well, speaking of another quest, uh, or plot line, however you want to say it. Veronica is now very lonely and very obsessed with her ex-boyfriend. She has other things she should be doing and decides not to do them to manage Archie's boxing career. But you know what? This is reasonable. I said this to Kevin while we were watching. Veronica is very good this episode. In this episode, she's doing every reasonable thing that a reasonable person would do, which includes actually, like, she has the contacts to help Archie. And, and not, she does. And not through, and it's almost better that we don't see it. Like, because I think if we saw it, they would be tempted to be like, ooh. To, to yeah. Look to, at her use her wiles and giles. When, when, like, I think the best thing about Veronica that we need to see is that, like, her methods need to be confusing and unknown, but we have to not see them. I, I would love if the, if the rest of the series, if Veronica just sort of could, do, like, she would leave the scene and come back and be like, yeah, no, I did it. Yeah. And they're like, wait, how? I had a meeting. And that's how you get things done. There's a lot of times where in this show, obviously, we we joke about how we don't see like scenes where things happen. But if they just kept it a running theme with Veronica, and I would be like down. A gag? It was like a gag that she did where she could just leave the scene and come back and have gotten like business done. Yeah. Not necessarily crime, but like business. Well, in this case, she leaves last episode. Yeah. And she walks into this episode having signed Archie up for a regional boxing tournament. Yeah. Mad Dog would also like her to be his manager. <laughs> that will not be remarked upon again. But I think she's doing it. And then we are introduced to another fact of, once again, it's like they forgot what happened in the end of last episode. Fangs pops in. He's been going to the gym. And he's upset because a pipe burst. Fangs is a key member of this gym. Yeah, Fangs is an important friend to Archie. Also, an attempted kidnapper of Betty. You know, so <laughs> not saying that cultists can't have normal everyday lives, but 
the amount of time he's spending this episode doing non-cult things, which is all of it, versus the amount of time he's spending doing cult things, which is none of it. And I really want to put a pin, and I want to come back to... Rem- to I want to remind you right now that, that, that Fangs wants to box. So and moving forward, Veronica wants to invest in the gym. Yeah, she's going to help because she wants that Archie D. And she has so much money, which is weird because she was in debt to everyone. <laughs> and I guess now, well, oh, Gladys I, left. Well, That's I, why she has so much money. I guess it's her. She's like all the all my income's now disposable again. <laughs> also, she doesn't have to pay Reggie anymore. Her life truly is falling apart, <laughs> but now she has money. It's true. She has no one who works at her business because Josie also left. Also true. Who's the main entertainer for Le Bon Nui. She says Le Bon Nui's doing great. She doesn't have a bartender. She doesn't have a performer. She does have security, though. Pretty poisons. Oh, right. That's true. Um, also, I miss Reggie. It's he's in been a movie. so long. Oh. I saw, him in a mo- I saw him in a movie. That's why he's not well, there. Well, I saw, I saw him in the trailer for a movie. I just want him to come back. I love him. All right. Well, uh... We've had we have this thing that's been popping up a few times, and it's really where it's coming near the end of the season when everything's supposed to be like heightened and big. But it's just the kids sitting around and talking in the student lounge. Yeah, Betty obsesses about her dad. Yeah. Jughead gives a gargoyle king update, and everyone kind of rolls their eyes. <laughs> Sorry, when when Betty does the update with her dad, Jughead's like, "Oh, don't worry, you have." Um, you have, like, the serpents to protect you, and you have Archie as a fight club that can protect you. He also keeps saying fight club, and I'm like, call it a boxing yeah. club, please. Don't call it a fight club. Archie was in a fight club, and I'm sure he has PTSD from that. So let's not remind him. But but he does not mention his father is the chief of police. Although he does tell Betty she can move back in with him because Gladys is gone. <laughs> so, once again, Jughead underestimates having a chief of police as a, or a sheriff as a father. I have a question. Yeah. Where does Betty live? Uh, I think she lives with Veronica. Yeah, she lives with Veronica. And she lives with Veronica. That's also good because, Hi- oh, Hiram doesn't live there anymore. No, but... So she but, Hermione uh, need to look after her? But surely the mayor has security. This is true. She may live in the safest place. <laughs> There's a lot of very safe places she could be. She could live with a sheriff. She could live with the, the mayor. mayor. <laughs> she could live with Archie and his fight club. And his mom. And his mom. <laughs> well, continuing on the theme of forgetting what happened at the end of the last episode... Cheryl just comes in like not like like she did not try to kidnap Betty. Like she always has. She storms in and is like, I don't care what you guys are talking about. I'm going to be prom queen. Vote for me. Goodbye. I, I just want a moment where Betty just turns to someone and goes, why is no one paying attention to the fact that they tried to kidnap me? Cheryl, beat on the door to my car. They chased me down across the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, and you don't do that to have a nice conversation with someone. They were going to forcibly induct me into their cult. (laughs) Why are we all chill now? Why is there no repercussions to that action? Anyway, Jughead, do you want to go to prom with me? And Jughead does not want to, but he does, for he loves Betty. Betty. And then (laughs) Veronica and Archie just sort of look at each other like, uh, 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 oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, beans. I think all of our leads forgot that prom existed until Cheryl shouts at them about it. I mean, Betty's, or Veronica says so much. She says, are we still doing prom? This seems so normal." normal. And I'm like, that's fair. 
The last time that they did they did something normal is when Archie tried to write the SATs. <laughs> God, and that's still coming up. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, let's head over to figure out what Archie's storyline actually is, which is where we learn that his mom is a very protective in a very weird way. She does not want Archie to do things where people punch his head. Yeah, she doesn't want Archie to box, which, once again, is a fair thing for, like, a parent to be like, hey, this is literally fighting. I don't like it. Archie does believe he can go pro. Archie thinks that he can do every single one of his hobbies as a career. And he gets really bummed out when it doesn't work out immediately. Spoiler alert, he does a th- he, later he does a boxing match. We don't get to see it, but he does lose it. And he is, like... Devastated. What? I, I didn't immediately do it? I must be terrible. I will say, this whole storyline is, like, very teenage. Which yeah. is why it feels weird and clangs in this TV show, where none of our teenagers are teenagers. They're yeah. all grown adults. I don't mean the actors are grown adults. I mean the characters. The characters are grown adults. Are grown adults. Well, I mean, Betty, underage girl, goes to a shooting range, which, I mean, I guess that's actually, maybe? She probably got a waiver. Yeah. Her mom would have signed off on a waiver at one point. Oh, at one point. I'm like... Not eh, now. Not now, but she can't take it back now. So Betty shoots a, shoots a handgun, um, which I will say is Chekhov's gun. And she's very good at that shooting. Yeah. Her aim is impeccable. And she gets a call from Dr. Curdle, and he thankfully holds back on as much of the creepiness as he can. But he does inform her that he found a single hand. And that hand is Hal's, according to fingerprints and Which stuff. I'm... Which, I mean, is fair. It is, it, it is Hal's hand. It is Hal's hand. <laughs> but that does not mean he's dead. We both shouted. A hand is not a heart or a head. Well, especially because if he was, if he was, let's say, um, handcuffed to a railing, like they saw which we in the saw, we saw the handcuffs on the railing, and they were still closed. Yep, which means someone got out of them by losing a hand. Someone cut his hand off to escape, just like Merle in The Walking Dead. <laughs> someone is crazy. So Betty has not watched The Walking Dead, which is a problem. Yeah. All right, uh, Jughead also gets a call uh, from his father to do what his father wants him to do, which is go to a crime scene. Because Jughead is a teenager who is secretly the sheriff. Yeah, and there's no real reason for Jughead to be here except for this very specific plot thing, which is where Jughead's walking along and looks down at a seat. Like, they're on this creepy gargoyle bus. Yeah, where the gargoyles sleep. I guess. Um, And he he just flips up a piece of the seat, and there's the gospel! (gasps) We thought it was clangy and convenient. <laughs> Turns out it is clangy and convenient. Yeah. And then so the they, did hides their, it. they did their job well, I guess. Sure. Then he hides it. He hides it. Um, <laughs> Archie gives Veronica a piece of paper, which is a signed permission slip for him to be allowed to fight in the fight. Ooh, mysterious. But last we heard, his mom didn't like it. Ooh. Oh, did she change her mind? Did Ar- he talk to his dad? Did his dad sign it and then fax it back to him? Did he pretend that Sheriff Keller, not Sheriff Keller, not Sheriff Keller, is his father? Poor not Sheriff Keller. We can't even call him by his other job, for he has no job. Boxing coach Keller. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Archie seems sad, and Veronica's like, buddy, if you don't want to fight, which is fair, because last time you punched a man, his heart did explode. <laughs> we can send Mad Dog to the fight. And he's like, no, no, I'm sad because I would like to ask you to prom. 
We can go as friends. <laughs> as friends. Just friends. When, but when they go buy tickets from Cheryl and Tony, Cheryl is, once again, very into the, the aspect of other people boning. Now, I had a weird line. Yeah. That I heard. Because I guess Cheryl's Anne of Green Gables. Because Tony owes Cheryl a cherry phosphate. Yeah, no, I was just... Yeah, that's a... <laughs> that's a weird thing for a human being in the... Year of Our Lord 2019 to say to another human being in the Year of Our Lord 2019, and not 1895 or whatever at Creek Cables to place. <laughs> Think 1919. All right, that's ah, close. <sighs> I knew I knew it was before one of the wars. Yeah, cherry phosphate. That's like a soda water with cherry flavor. I don't know, but this slides right into a scene where we learn something that. Oh, that I am so infuriated by that Evelyn still goes to this school. Betty has not told a grown-up. And I understand Mr. Weatherby is in the cult, but tell tell the school board. Tell There's the superintendent. Tell the president of the United States. Maybe not the current one. but The fictional president. Tell Hiram's buddy the governor. Tell any person that has any sort of authority, hey, this is a 30-year-old. This person's 30. <laughs> Look, Cheryl- I have her birth certificate. Cheryl even says, you're 30. Well, because everyone in the cult knows that Evelyn is his wife, not his daughter. <laughs> Betty has evidence. She Why Why didn't that social worker after be like, all right, Betty, now that I told you a 30-year-old is going to your school, I'm going to go tell anyone. Now, to be fair... Betty not telling people I'm okay with because she got chased by the kidnapped, chased by the cult, then found out her dad was dead, and now it's now. Yeah, no, she doesn't have a whole lot of time. It might have slipped her mind. She but... may have forgotten that Evelyn is. <laughs> but I have to imagine cult. that when she saw Evelyn in her classes, she was like, oh, right, everybody, she's 30. <laughs> this is a 30 year old woman who's hanging out with you. Creepy. Now, this 30-year-old woman informs Cheryl that she is forbidden to campaign for prom queen because... The farm has rules about equality. Everyone is equal. I have a question. <laughs> Edgar's... I know your question. Edgar's just more equal than other people. No, my question is, Cheryl is the student body president. Yeah, yeah. No, it's also... Also, Fang's allowed to compete in, you know... Boxing. Boxing, which has a winner and a loser. That's not very equal now, is it? Cheryl informs Evelyn that she will not be listening to her because Evelyn's dumb and 30. <laughs> you don't even go here. <laughs> it's a real mean girls moment. <laughs> Except for Evelyn does go there and it's dumb. <sighs> so uh, Jughead reads some lore with the gargoyles and what we learn is the gospel is just the monster manual for D&D. Yeah, someone put a lot of work into that handwritten book. Yeah, I mean, someone put a lot of work, a lot of work into the monster manual. There's they, a lot of monsters in there. They were compensated for that, though. Yeah, <laughs> I presume they were compensated for this. I still don't understand this game, and this episode that tries to explain it does not make it any clearer. Yeah, like when we find out the Griff- Griffin King is queen is actual, Betty didn't make her up. Well, I mean, Betty. We knew Betty didn't make her. That's the reason why it's Griffins and Gargoyles. All right. They, she just used her in that situation, which I'm amazed no one ever had done before. Anyway, so Jughead reads, like, fantastic lore, but then Betty's like, no, the Gargoyle King is just a man. Just like my dad. And if my dad can die, for he is a serial killer, the Gargoyle King serial killer can also 
die. The main crux of the scene is that Betty has conflicting feelings over the death of her father because that's what human beings have. And her father was her one good parent. Which is really unfortunate. I think that's why she's sad. It's like, why why am I so sad? Oh god, he was better than mom. Oh no, oh, mom's the only parent I have left. Oh god, dad was a serial killer and he was better than mom. <sighs> and uh my favorite thing that we learned from this scene is that <laughs> Jughead gave Dr. Dr. Colonel Jr. his phone number for him to text. And all I can imagine is Jughead waking up at like <laughs> I don't know, midnight and getting a you up from Dr. Curdle <laughs> and being like, this text message has a touch of evil. <laughs> it's like a little disclaimer on every text message. Um, Kurtz's autopsy results are in. And the, and the autopsy doesn't really matter because he was stabbed, I guess. But he does have a tattoo of the stuff on his back. Ooh, sacrifice. Ooh, because uh, according to... Well, because it was carved with the other boys, and Betty thinks maybe he would he got the tattoo to essentially try to like trick his way into the kingdom. Yeah, by never by in case he didn't die in the proper way, he could still get in or something. I don't know. Now, in between the autopsy and getting the autopsy results, we do have a short scene where Molly Ringwald Andrews. You know, I so I love Luke Perry Andrews. Yeah, you know this. He is a great dad. Yeah. Molly Ringwald Andrews is a better parent. Yes. Because she's trying to, A, accept Archie's boxing. Yeah. And then, B, take his weird obsession (laughs) and, like, find a way that he can achieve the things that she wants for her child out of life. Yeah. But also do the thing that he loves. Unfortunately, she is still beholden to the logic of the TV show, so she can't address the... Like, the obvious answer. So, essentially what this is is that uh, Molly Ringwald Andrews says to Archie, they're like, hey, so, you like boxing? Well, you could go to a naval academy. Boxing is a incredibly big thing there. There, Like, when they, they meet the Navy uh, uh, woman, the uh, mm, recruiter. The recruiter. Um, and she says that boxing is mandatory. Which makes sense. Sure, yeah. Because um, you're learning about, like, strategy and tactics. And... Yeah, and then after it's done... You spend you have you have five years of active of active duty, but you know it's a full college course. Is all those things, and he he could probably get a boxing scholarship. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say it's a little weird. I mean, the idea of when Molly first came out, she was wor- like, if her thing when he first argued about it was like Archie, you can't like you should have schooling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if she. But she came out with, no, Archie, it's too dangerous. Well, I think Instead, she's... you should go into the Navy. I think what she's thinking, though, is if he go A, she can get him into the Navy because she knows the recruiter. They yeah. met at Sarah Florence. Okay. Sarah Lawrence is a university in the States. Yeah, no. <laughs> they met at Sarah Florence. There's a few things where I'm like, just say the actual name. It's not clever. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's just dumb. Anyway, so she already knows the recruiter. So yeah. even though Archie had a panic attack PTSD episode and hasn't written the SATs yet. She can, like, pull some strings. He can write the SATs later. And I think she's thinking, like, you know, I know this woman. I know that she'll keep him safe. I know that it's going to be, like, a safe environment where he's taken care of and he's a part of a team. And... I mean, it's still also the Navy in an act, like, an active duty Navy is still pretty dangerous. I think this is a thing we don't understand because we're Canadians. Yeah. 
right. Uh, so yeah, those those scenes happen. Uh, meanwhile, oh, Archie uh, has to set up an exhibition match oh, so right, he can yes. show the woman how good he is at boxing, and he says, "Cool, I'll talk to Fangs." I'm not. Why not Mad Dog? Yeah, <laughs> you know your buddy who runs the gym with you. It quickly becomes clear the reason Fangs is here and introduced is so he could be Archie's. Uh, like exhibition partner why couldn't it be mad dog mad dog's also in the episode yeah why did they introduce fangs as a member of the gym when that makes no sense because he's a hardcore cultist is it because mad dog is so much bigger than archie i don't know and fangs is approximately archie's size well mad dog is also an adult that's true (laughs) yeah good point so, um, Benny and Jughead go to the tattoo parlor. They meet the tattooist who never takes his clients' names. But but he does ID everybody. So... He, he is the only person in the show who IDs someone, and then moments later he's like, oh, I don't get names. And I'm like, are you sketchy or not? <laughs> this is unclear. Because <laughs> he says that he did tattoo Kurtz, but he did, he also tattooed someone else the exact same thing. A year ago. And then he describes the man. Sandy hair. Blonde eyes. Nope. Nope. <laughs> blue eyes. Sandy hair. Blue, blue eyes. eyes. Weirdly magnetic. So it's Hal. It's Hal. <laughs> Which is also... It's Hal, right? I mean, that's impossible. No, he wasn't in prison a year ago. He, a couple months ago. How much time has really passed? I mean... I thought he said it was a year ago. I thought he said a couple months ago. It's the, it's weird to me because didn't the farm only move to Riverdale at the beginning of this season? Yeah, that's why they did the tattoo a year ago. Yeah, but... No, the farm has been hanging out outside of Riverdale for a long time. Polly's been at the farm for almost the entire show. Yeah, I mean, yes, I know, but that was for our season two. And the thing is that at the end of season two, remember, they skipped over the summer. Mm-hmm. So there was at least two months that went by by the end of season two to the beginning of season three. Yes. Yeah. I know. I thought I thought he said a couple months ago. I didn't think you he said also either. didn't really watch this scene because you were listening to the dog. There was a lot that was going on in our house as the scene was going on. I was also trying to figure out is Kurt's eighteen or did he tattoo a child like he lied about earlier? It's clearly Hal. I don't know. Betty thinks it's Edgar. I think it's Hal. And if <laughs> I will put money on that, I don't have any money. <laughs> I if it, it it might you're right it might be Hal. Here's my problem with that. That also makes no sense. If it's not Hal, I will give you a cherry phosphate. I think it's Chick. Like Chick? Like Chick. Like Charles. Like no, like not fake Charles. Fake Charles. Interesting. Yeah. He's not weirdly magnetic though. He's creepy and twitchy. Well, no, but I'll, keep in mind, Betty said weirdly magnetic, and this this man is probably just like I don't. What? <laughs> Sir? I mean, he's weird. Speaking of weirdly magnetic, handsome, handsome men, Cheryl has a meeting with Edgar, wherein he informs her that if she keeps running for prom queen, he will cut her off from Jason. He really doesn't want Cheryl running for, for prom queen. And as we described earlier, it does sound like strangely targeted. I think he doesn't like Cheryl. I mean, that's, that's distinctly possible. And, I mean, clearly this is just something be, like, I, I feel like this might be a show of power type thing, where he's essentially just, like, needs to prove... He needs to get her under control. Yeah, he needs to prove that, like, you know, his laws... Because, really, there's no reason why he shouldn't allow someone to run for prom queen. Um, he's just show... He's doing it because he has to control his cult. He has to show constant rule... 
so that they don't start testing boundaries because that's how cults work. And Cheryl is Cheryl, whereas Fangs is just going to go quietly go do some nice fights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, also when Cheryl becomes prom queen, she'll be like big and huge over the school and that'll be a very much bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And versus Evelyn, who's supposed to actually be the one who's bringing people people in. in. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, who's 30. So we have a weird short scene where we find out that Veronica is going to take out a loan using her business as like... I, th- or, I don't think she's using the business as collateral, but I think she has to show that she's able to pay back the loan. Yeah, I thought that the that essentially the reason that woman was there was to essentially not appraise... Um, uh, like audit. 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 Yeah, well, it, I think it's just to make sure like... This business exists. It's like a credit check. <laughs> this is my secret speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> Um, and Pops is like, oh. Uh, that's the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty much the scene. And then. Archie gets. It is, it is very bizarre because Archie's getting weighed alone by just a man. By a fight commissioner. In his. Yeah. And we learn that he is. The exact wording. Over by six pounds. So you're not fighting on Friday. And I, and, that, and that makes. Very little sense for many reasons that we talked about with our brother. Our brother is a competitor. He does strongman competitions. Yeah, so he knows a lot about, like, weight categories and things such as that. He trains a lot. He's a very muscular boy. Man. We, He's we, a very muscular grown man. Yeah, we asked him We asked him about also, like, Archie, KJ Appa, who is either 5'9 or 5'11, depending on who you ask, apparently. Yeah, unclear. <laughs> unclear. Um, whether or not that man who we saw standing in front of us weighed 154 pounds, and he hummed and hawed for a while, but he did not seem to believe it. Yeah, he tried to find a way where he was like, well, maybe if they really lied about his height. So, two episodes ago, he had to bulk up. This episode, he has to lose six pounds. Six pounds to do what? So... If this is a regional competition, shouldn't there be weight classes? And that just means he's in another weight class. Yeah. And looking at him, if they do not have a weight class for that guy, he's fighting six-year-olds. Also, they said... Veronica said, if you don't want to do it, we'll send Mad Dog. Mad Dog is much bigger. So does he just live in, like, a weird area between two weight classes? So so our, our brother helped us, and he looked up some um, some upper limit, like, the upper limits of weight classes for the Olympics. Light welterweight is 141 pounds, so there's no way he's light welterweight. No, because we know he bulked up to, to a, 154. And now has he gained six pounds, and he weighs 160? Well, welterweight is 152, so he could be trying to get down to light welterweight. Um, but then middleweight is 165. So he so he either weighs, uh, was it, 170 pounds? 157 pounds? Or 146 pounds? <laughs> And, like, those welterweight things are, like, very specific categories. Brian said that many competitions will just have, like, heavy, middle, yeah. and light. Yeah, so, and they also didn't make it clear. That later on, when he, surpri- surprised, he's able to do it, Veronica just says, you did it, you're under the weight. And I'm like, under what weight? What is the goal? What is the problem? <laughs> there is some Googling that someone needs had to do. It's it's the sort of thing that I do in early drafts of scripts or early drafts of things I'm writing where I use very general, like, lingo because I don't want to clarify what it is. But I always go in later 
and actually do the research and then yeah. add in the stuff. That's what editing is for. Yeah, they just kept with, oh, you're six pounds over. Over what? Um, I have a small corrections corner. You're six pounds under. Underwear. Speaking of weight. Okay. They showed weighing in the previously on. The entire last episode, we called the man that Archie punched until his heart exploded. Yeah. Ronnie. His name is Randy. Randy? Randy Ronson. Oh, that's why. Because his last name's Ronson. Uh, whatever. So, uh, we weren't wrong. We were just combining his first name and his last name into one name. Ah, who cares? His heart exploded. <laughs> his heart did explode. More importantly, Archie has to lose six pounds. But more importantly, the fight was mysteriously moved from Saturday when it was supposed to be, which I guess is also the day of the prom. Yeah. To uh, Friday. Which is the same time that his ex exhibition match, match will be. It feels like a lot of these things could, be, like, there's there's a lot of stuff there that, like, sure, you know what? That happened. It just happened. Whatever. I'm so, I you can't move major event as an event planner. Yeah. Can't just shift it forward a day. And get all those people who were preparing for it for Saturday and bought their tickets. And this is about a week ahead of time. Like, yeah. this is about five days early. Yeah. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Tell this weekend. Or week. Oh, anytime. <laughs> what made you happy? What'd you find? Uh, what made me happy this week? Oh, iZombie came back. Season oh, yeah, the fun, five. Final season. Mm -hmm. All yeah. of my shows are ending this year, which I'm quite sad about. Mm -hmm. iZombie, The 100, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't know if The 100 is actually ending, but it feels like it's coming to an end. Okay. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. All the shows are going away. Um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Which actually I have been watching. Uh, I have not. It's very dark. Yeah. I mean... The lighting. Physically. Yeah, yes. and I got it. I heard. I saw the jokes online. I didn't think it was that dark, but I also um, actually, watched it on a computer. Actually, um, here's an interesting thing. Um, my my friend was talking about it because he does a lot of um, the digital work that he also said that this might be a show of um, how streaming compression doesn't do good with uh, high wax. quality. Yes. Yeah. So it actually could have just been on people because some people didn't have issues with it. And a lot so, of people who had issues watched it through HBO Go. Which probably compressed, compre it. compressed the video and crushed those blacks. Yep. Which means it was harder to see. So yeah. That, yeah. Hey, that's, uh, that's how technology works. Anyway, I'm happy because iZombie is back and I love that Rob Thomas. <laughs> Rob Thomas, give me a show. I can be a spunky heroine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything in specific about it because other people may not have watched yeah. it yet. No, that's fair. But um, if you haven't watched iZombie, it's all on Canadian Netflix. Yeah. And the episodes come up weekly. It's a C CW show? CW show. Yeah, CW. But it is much better than this um, CW show. Um, Ro Coley appears on Funhouse a whole lot. And uh, he, they keep on joking that his show is not Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> that's their constant gag. Kevin, what made you happy this week? I didn't honestly do uh, a whole lot this week, um, so I'm going to sort of 
not exactly cheap. It's something that I that I got uh, a couple weeks ago, but I got again this week. Uh, Domino's has a six cheese pizza, and there's so much cheese on it. That pizza is so good. It's such a good pizza. Also, I think there's only five cheeses on it. I, I think they're counting Parmesan um, Asiago as two, two cheeses. cheeses. <laughs> Oh, and I don't know. It's just, it's a real good pizza. <laughs> and I just, I just had it this week. Just reminded me, like, ah, that's good. I love that pizza. I want to get it on a thin crust, mm-hmm. which I feel like will be challenging because there's so much cheese on it. I mean, yeah, the the nice thing about, I mean, it's, the, ni- the nice thing about when you get, like, the cheese mixes is that you, so, that sometimes you go really good or real bad. But it's you know, good. And it's a small thing, but you gotta take small victories. <laughs> Well balanced. Betty. Betty is very suspicious of Edgar. She is convinced he is the Gargoyle King because they both love ascension and they're both creepy. Yeah, her <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Her logic also involves the concept of being that like, you know, Edgar made my mom get a tattoo, so he has a tattoo. <laughs> like, you know what? I'm I think you're right, but let's <laughs> Let's but all right. Jughead's kind of skeptical, though, because he was like, how could he be the Gargoyle King when he is a solid 15 years younger? Well, he, he says, if your mom saw the Gargoyle King on Ascension Night two decades ago, and Betty says, oh, the, gar- when, the Gargoyle King doesn't have to be the same person. And, I, and in my head, I'm like, you know that, because Hiram's been the Gargoyle King. Our good friend Soft Tallboy has been the Gargoyle King. You know other people have been the Gargoyle King. Why is this a revelation to you? Kevin, I really hope that Edgar is not Charles. I know. I You, you keep bringing it up, and I keep telling you, no. I'm not the only one. Well, the, well I hope the internet's also wrong, because he should have put up some real clear boundaries before this moment. Needs to friend zone that mom. Needs to friend zone his mom real hard, if that's the case. <laughs> But no, of course there are multiple Gargoyle Kings. Yeah. We know that. So many people have put on the mantle. It's like they're pretending the other Gargoyle... Like, Hiram was the Gargoyle King. Yes, he was. Yeah, and so there, it's weird that they're pretending like that didn't happen. Well, I think Jughead still thinks there's, like, a main Gargoyle King. That... And, and it sounds like that's where they're leaning towards, that there is a main Gargoyle King. What the? What has he been doing? Uh, I don't know. Um, she does think that actually he assumed the mantle because Alice told him about the Midnight Club and he decided to use that to his own ends. I'm still not sure what Edgar's end ed- goal is other than being a cult leader. I'm not sure if who if someone else is the Gargoyle King. I'm not sure what their end goal is. Cause I what, don't know why anyone's the Gargoyle King. <laughs> like, it kind of made sense when it was Hiram because he was using it to sell drugs and hide it as a cult. But also, why were those boys dying? None of this makes sense. Well, they have two episodes to figure it out. <laughs> they have two episodes to explain it. I hope that's enough time. Uh, we do get a quick scene where Archie's trying to sweat out the weight, uh, and he tells Veronica that he's doing two fights that day. She is not happy about any of this. Yeah. Uh, um, by the way, our brother said that Archie just had to go into a sauna and poop, <laughs> and then he'd be fine. I mean, he he, he might have pooped before he got the way in, so you don't know how much yeah, in him. That's true. Anyway. Uh, so, um, is Edgar's leading, like a, like, a small group, I guess. Yeah. Is he talking about cannibalism as a response to some sort of question that Alice asked? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't think so. What What did he say? 
<laughs> something about cannibalism. Something about how some tribes eat their elders because then they. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Then they get the power of the. All I got out of it is that Betty has been standing outside that that room for an undetermined amount of time, waiting for a, a lead in line because <laughs> because Edgar goes. Are there any other? Anyway, that's what cannibalism is. <laughs> I hope that answered your question, Alice, about what we're eating tonight. <laughs> Are there any other questions? And then Betty kicks open the door. Is like just one. Where's your tattoo? <laughs> and he's like, I also have an infinity sign on my wrist. The farm symbolizes infinity. <laughs> because, because <laughs> you you have to understand, I am a girl in the nineties. <laughs> And so I, so I don't take metaphor for much more than I, what I can throw it. And then Betty's like, take off your shirt. Take off your shirt. Yeah. And I, too, am like, take off your shirt. <laughs> she, does, she does invoke the Batman style of detective work where she just runs in and shouts at him. Uh, and he takes off his shirt and he is very cut. He has the best muscles. He, he has what I would describe as the cult leader body. Yeah. Like, that is the body that is on cult leaders in fiction they always real life cult leaders are doughy middle-aged men yeah but in this one they always make him like he's not like archie buff but he's very very trim and he has the uh the lines yeah and this and he and he's he does the cult leader stance the slightly curved back it's it's so like deja vu inducing when i think of like far cry 5 for example that has joseph seed who also is a stringy man man why is there a cult leader body that's always hot? <laughs> Chad Michael Murray is so good. Anyway, he does not have the tattoos. And <laughs> Betty's like, oh, dang. And then I shouted, it's Hal. And Kevin looked at me. He does not agree with my... They should have asked him how old was he, the she person. Didn't, she didn't think it could be Hal, but I did. All right. I hope it, Hal would make the least amount of sense. He's been the Gargoyle King all along. That's it, why the Gargoyle King hasn't been doing anything useful. That means he would have had to have gone the tattoos and done the Gargoyle King thing before he got arrested. He was, like, working up for it, and then he got arrested. He was like, oh, dang, now what am I going to do? <laughs> so we get a, uh, which is a vignette here where Archie tries to lose weight. It's to the eye of the tiger, in case you were wondering. And he... Does it with no irony. <laughs> he also, he also, he, he does it like, what is it? Our brother said, like, go in a sauna, sweat it out. He's clearly going to gain muscle doing what he's doing. He's working out too much. And he's doing, like, not just cardio, which is actually, like, you know, burn stuff. He's actually doing, like, not weights, but he's doing resistance stuff that would. Now, to be fair, when you do weight work, you burn more calories afterward. But, but I mean, he's bulking. Well, he's no, bulking. No. well, yeah. But I mean, but you look at him; he doesn't have that much fat to burn. He has to lose muscle mass. It's, it's the only true. way he's going to lose weight. Like, wh- where is he going to burn muscle? Where's he going to burn weight from? His butt. <laughs> That's the only place he could burn weight from. There's nothing on anywhere else of him. Don't worry, Kevin. He comes in a hair under the weight. The yeah, under the limit. Anyway, off to bout number one. Um, Betty sulks. Which I guess you should be happy that, that your mom's not marrying another serial killer. Just a cultist. And, uh, she sulks some more. And he's like, okay, okay, we'll figure out how to catch the Gargoyle King. And then an insane thing happens. He's like, there's this thing. I've been reading the monster manual. And apparently you can summon the Gargoyle King by doing this this thing where, like, after the 
after the the Griffin Queen has been summoned, there's a bacchanal of epic proportions. What Kevin is describing is prom will happen. Betty will become the prom queen. She will invoke the name of the Gargoyle King and he'll already be there because he's obsessed with Betty. <laughs> because clearly that's what's going to happen because he is just a person once again, remember. Yeah, you cannot summon him as if he were a demon. They decided to change their minds again and now they're summoning him. But they need to change the themes to go over to Cheryl like, hey, your, your last theme was Fire and Ice. Which I think is hilarious because that was Cheryl and Veronica. And she's like, no one knows what that means. <laughs> I think we'll change it to like the Renaissance or Medieval. And also it's in three days. Now Cheryl doesn't care because she's so sad about not being able to be prom queen. Yeah, so she acquiesces to the request. And I thought they were just changing the theme. But turns out there's a dress code. <laughs> we'll get there. So, he's, so the first fight is done, which I guess was just in a field somewhere. And Archie sulks. Everyone's sulking this episode. Yeah, uh, he's lost. He got beaten up. So Veronica's like, you can't do the second fight. And he's like, if I had one more round, I could have won the other fight. So I'll win this fight. I can't let my mom down. Veronica, I can't let people down. <laughs> She's like, all right, you're not fighting. And so she goes in and like talks to the mom and the recruiter. <laughs> it's like... Archie's not going to fight today. He's sick. And then he comes in. He's like, no, I am. I, he literally let Veronica go in so he could change. <laughs> yep. Because he's like, no, I'll fight. And he immediately trips over the ropes. <laughs> and knocks himself out on the ground. Which lends some real credence to Veronica's statement that he's sick. That he's sick. <laughs> Uh, oh. All right, time for the prom to get some setting out, because Betty and Jughead get the pretty poisons, who are now, I have to assume, just led by Peaches. Peaches. Remember, remember Peaches? She was the girl that Tony was almost going to have a threesome with. I do remember that. <laughs> oh, but now Fang's, no, it, was, it was, oh, Sweet Pea, who she's going to have the other person. What's Sweet Pea up to? He doesn't have Fangs anymore, so. He wasn't in this episode. There were just a bunch of random serpents, many of whom were blonde. Well, you know, they had extras. So, um, Betty and Jughead were like, hey, can we work together to get the Gargoyle King? Because, of course, he's going to arrive from this. That's the only option here. So they make a plan that they're going to lock everyone into the gym. Yeah. So that they'll know who the Gargoyle (laughs) King is. Is that a fire hazard? It's sort of a plan. It's half a plan. Uh. Jughead's usually better at this. <laughs> he's confused why he keeps getting called to crime scenes. Also, he's been reading a lot of the Monster Manual, and that thing is thick. That's true. Yeah, he's reading about demons and devils and the blood war. And you know, he, I think he's been sleep deprived. He's staying up late at night with a flashlight just reading the book. <laughs> An Imperion? I could put use that in my game. Um, so Archie comes to laying on the couch that he has in his gym owner's office. Because he owns a gym. And his mom is a mom. <laughs> Veronica spilled the beads. And she's like, hey, dummy, why you all of this? <laughs> and he's like, mom, I just want a box. I don't think I want to go to college. I want to see how far these two fists can take me. I've been boxing ever since I've been forced to in that when I was in juvie. Now, to be fair, Archie has never wanted to go to college. That's true. <laughs> college is... His parents really want him to go. He, he has never been a thing for him. He didn't want to go in season one because he wanted to do music. Football? No, music. And his dad was like, but Archie... 
you can do music at college. Same as that you could box at college. And also, you did not fail the SATs. I refuse to believe that. You can also write them again. Yeah. You can write them more than once. Especially extenuating circumstances. PTSD. PTSD, you know. So his mom's like, well, Archie, I just want you to have options. You can't fight forever. And he's like, but if I go to college and then I go into the Navy, I'll lose all my fighting years. And she's like, nope, nope. Lots of the Navy guys have professional fighting careers. I just, and I mean, I want to make the argument, Archie could go fight for a couple of years and then go to college. Well, also, you can always go back to school. Also, to put a little bit into why Molly is being this way is because in the past two years, Archie has been has thrown himself fully into football and fully into music, and then he dropped music for no apparent reason. The last time we saw him doing music is when he was sad because he couldn't sing with Josie at her father's no her mother's wedding. And you know, it's fine if you change your like like with the things you enjoy. But that's kind of why Molly's like, maybe don't throw 100% into this, because what if you decide not to do it anymore? You literally almost gave up on it last week. And Archie, (laughs) not every hobby has to be a career. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself an actor. I'm absolutely an actor, but I also have a job because I bought a house. Yeah. And and I have to pay my mortgage. Yeah. And so that's why, like, you you can see things from Molly's uh, perspective. Yep, she's... Molly Ringwald's perspective. I will say, she gives him, as his mom, some of the therapy that he has needed (laughs) for seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, uh, we... we, The problem's beginning. We do see a quick scene where Veronica's about to go off, but then Pop Tate's like, Veronica, I discovered something a few months ago that I need to tell you. Now, everyone at this stupid, stupid Medieval Times prom is wearing stupid Medieval Times clothes. Yeah, these these kids definitely have what I would call a costume department. <laughs> How many parents are filled with rage that they spent $600 on a ball gown for their daughter who on demanded a, it? On a fire and ice themed ball gown. And now... And now, <laughs> and now she's like, actually, now I want to do a... I want to be a princess. I expected prom wear with like capes. No, these are like we at one point see a see like a Harlequin man like wearing a Commedia dell'arte mask. It's, yeah, it's a lot. These these kids have access to the costume department of a multi million dollar teen drama show. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Betty is running unopposed for prom, prom queen, queen. By the way, I have to assume the pretty poisons threatened everyone who. <laughs> Tried to run. But just in case, Betty just gives her a stack of... Votes. Of votes. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, so Veronica dances with Archie. And we learn... Uh... <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy, do we learn a fact. <laughs> a fact that puts so many things in perspective. So Veronica says... Oh, I learned something. Bob Tates told me something that I didn't know. <laughs> It turns out I don't own the diner or the speakeasy. And before she went on, I was like, well, die. You're a teenager. You can't own anything. It turns out what her father did was give her a fake deed. He kept the real one. <laughs> he gave her like a... Like, like guess, Monopoly money. Yeah. And, and she... 
apparently no lawyer ever looked at it. Was her dad or her lawyer in this situation? Or he was just like, no, trust me, this is how it works, honey. I just hand it to you. There's no papers that need to be signed. She's been doing, like... Clearly, she actually hasn't been running these businesses, because if she tried to file for anything, they would have been like, this deed isn't real. Or you don't own this business. Or she's just filling things, like... How could she get... How could... If anybody looked up, like, Pop Tate's on, like, you know, they would have found that the owner was not Veronica. Although I would say the owner... Maybe, maybe Lodge, Lodge in, Maybe, yeah, Lodge Industries. I mean, they just didn't question it, and they're like, oh, she is Veronica Lodge. But, yeah, this explains why a teenager can own a bar. Because she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. And Bob Tate himself only found out a few months ago when I assume he tried to, like, get, like cash in his retirement. And they're like, <laughs> she's not your boss. <laughs> your boss is higher of Lodge. She's just a girl who works there for free. <laughs> uh... So Veronica decides that she's going to... In the same episode where they gave Veronica such, like, good things to do, they made her possibly one of the dumbest people. I mean, to be fair, she's 16. Would you know how to run a business when you were 16? no, I wouldn't. But the the idea that he essentially just, like... Gave her a fake Easy bake oven to her. (laughs) By being like, nah, man, it's a real oven. (laughs) But you know what? If she approached him, he'd be like, yeah, you can't own businesses. You're 16. <laughs> this just makes me think back to that big thing where she, like, pulled one over on him. Like, that's probably her big crowning move. It was still pretty dumb because she gave up the white worm so for so that her friend could still have Pop Tates, I think was the idea. Something. I don't know. So she just gave up the white worm and he just tricked her. Hiram might be a criminal mastermind <laughs> when it comes to dealing with teenagers. So Veronica decides that she's just going to wile and jile her way and gonna, trick her dad. She's going to pretend like she doesn't know and manipulate him. And I'm like, sure. Because that's historically gone well <laughs> he, for her. He owns your businesses. Archie will help her. Yeah, sure. Um, so Cheryl dances with Tony and is so mad that she doesn't get to be prom queen that she might quit the farm. (laughs) And I wanted Tony to become furious at her. Seriously? You wouldn't quit the farm for me. But you'll quit the farm for prom queen. Like that, like, that is one of the most insulting things Cheryl has done to Tony. Which also means that Cheryl has decided that prom queen is more important than Jason. Prom? <laughs> yeah. Or or she maybe has some way where she's like, I don't get Jason to come out with me. But it does mean, once again, she has decided that prom queen is more important than Tony. True. And I want Tony to remember that. So now we have a whole series of events that involve a lot of people who we don't know. And yeah. Betty. Yeah, so Betty gets a letter that's been passed through, like, a huge chain of people, uh, and it's from the Gargoyle King. And he wants her to meet him where the first Ascension Night happened and tell no one. Well, the first Ascension occurred. Not They actually don't say night, it's the first Ascension occurred, which is why she knows to go to the bathroom. So the first person the Gargoyle King murdered was the principal. Yeah, they knew that. Yeah, there could have been other murders. Yeah, but I mean, that's the one that matters. Uh, so uh, she heads off, and some old teacher announces that some old teacher we've never seen before. Uh, where's Weatherby? <laughs> He's at the cult. 
Anyway, she announces that Betty Cooper's the prom queen, but Betty's walking through the halls. Ooh, and she keeps having flashbacks <laughs> to her mother walking through the halls. Which is not how flashbacks work. <laughs> Those flashbacks are for us, the audience. But maybe, keep... she, maybe she's not having them. <laughs> they kind of portray it as, like, sometimes it seems like she's like, oh my god, just like my mother did. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So anyway, so she uh, she goes into the bathroom. It's covered in flip for your fade, flip for your fade. And she looks at the chalices and she's like, not today, Satan. <laughs> and out of the bathroom she goes. <laughs> where she find, where there's the gargoyle king. I don't know about you. He seems very diminutive right now. Like maybe he's a different person. <laughs> and, and when I see that, I'm just like, God, just push him over. There's nothing he can do. Instead, she walks towards him and keeps shouting. Take off your... Well, she doesn't say take off your mask. No, take off your clothes! Take off your shirt! <laughs> oh, Batman, take off your shirt! Uh, but she doesn't make it to him. No, she, she pulls, pulls out, out a gun. gun. The gun... Remember the, the Chekhov's gun we saw earlier? The, the gun that we saw in Act 1 will now be used in Act 5. Except for it's the opposite, because the gun that we've seen in Act 5 was used in Act 1, but now she gets tackled. <laughs> it's her dad. It's, it's the Black Hood. No, here's the thing. We should say it's the Black Hood. The mask is never removed. But, but he, anyway, he has a hook hand. <laughs> and he uses that hook hand. <laughs> There's a moment where I think you said to me, maybe he's trying to help her. And then he just keeps slashing at her with a hook. And I'm like, no, he's not. See, I thought he was trying to stop her from shooting the Gargoyle King. Like, no, Betty, that's a dumb choice. <laughs> no, you're too good for that. No, he just he just tackles her. And then he's running after her. And, I, and she runs into the uh, yellow and gold. Yes, where some girl is dead. Yep, some some poor person is dead. And she keeps running, and she goes in the bathroom, and then... Some guy is dead. And I'm wondering at this point, where did the gargoyle kid go? Did he just sort of be like, oh, oh, dang. Hey, you stole my thunder. Yeah, this is unrelated. <laughs> now, these dead people. Yeah. I'm going to guess murdered by hell. Yeah. Because they looked like they didn't have blue lips, they... and they had been sliced across the neck by a hook. Yeah, by the way, his hook is not a hook. It is a knife. Yes. Like, <laughs> these all people had their throat slit with a hook, but not really something that's not very good at slitting. So then Betty runs and hides in Jughead's house. And by Jughead's house, we mean this cupboard under the stairs. Yeah, or also where the principal was found. And there's another dead body in there. Oh, it's decapitated. So she tries to text for help. Unfortunately, yeah. she sees the decapitated body and screams. Yeah, well, and also she heard him outside there before that. And she's holding the door closed and he's trying to get the hook in. And it's like, arr, arr, arr. And then Jughead's there. Yeah. And Hal is not. And I was briefly very worried that they were going to treat this like she was having a psychotic break no they no they this is very real though they do not respond to those bodies i guess the episode ends pretty quickly thank goodness um fp has investigated the crime scene it's and betty makes a very weird and jugged makes the same weird call where it's like oh the gospel was all just a trick to lure betty out for the black hood to find and i'm like what or was it all a trick to get the gargoyle. Why do all these serial killers want to kill Betty? Well, and also by that, what that logic means. Let's imagine this: the black. If that's the case, the black hood and the black hood is Hal. Mm-hmm. Number one, I will say I do not agree with this. Um, that means Hal is the gargoyle well, king. Well, no, no, because Hal was in jail until the bus crashes happened earlier. Jellybean had already been kidnapped at that point. He. 
so did he quickly after the bus crash somehow get to the other bus and hide the gospel in there but then how did Jellybean know about the gospel did he somehow tell Ricky and someone and the uh, and, uh, the other guy to like, be like oh no kidnap Jellybean tell her about the gospel no so the gargoyle king did the gospel yeah because he and he did not want Betty to yeah. leave the gym he wanted the thing in the gym to happen so 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 the Hal idea- wanted her to yeah come out so <laughs> but, hal sent her the note yeah but once again they say that the gospel the entire thing they were doing was a trick for the was a trick for or the or it was a trick by the gargoyle king and then hal just busted in that's what i think is much more likely but they say in this scene that we're talking about they they both apparently both betty and jack had believed that the entire gospel thing was a trick from the black hood to lure betty away or both of these serial killers want to murder Betty. And, and what this means that Hal also has a friend if the Gargoyle King... Because the Gargoyle King was there. He was there. We know Hal has to have a friend because someone definitely broke him out of that armored bus and blew it up. I hope Hal and Edgar are working together to prove to Alice that she's a bad person. <laughs> it's the longest con. God. They're like, be a better mother. We've taught you a lesson. Two serial killer buddies. Look, the point is that this scene, like, the, there's a lot here that does not make sense. And usually I say, usually I don't say this, but maybe you should watch the episode and try to figure out what the hell's going on. And you can tell us. Because it's, it's a lot. <sighs> All right. Um, uh, we get a quick scene with Molly. Uh, Molly Ringwald Andrews, where she's hanging out with Archie. And it's like, oh, geez, there's serial killers here, huh? And he's like, so many, Mom, so many. Maybe you should know how to box. I think you should be able to defend yourself. (laughs) Also, I live here now. Yeah. I'll I'll keep an eye on you, because you clearly stuff has happened while I've been gone. Very concerned. Uh, Betty, once again, has been thinking about her dad, so runs to her mom. And she explains to her mom that Hal is alive, and Alice's like, he's not. Well, also, even when she's like, no, it's true, he tried to attack me, I know he's alive, Alice's response to that is, Betty, I put that behind me. Like, that'll stop a serial killer. I don't believe in you, so you can't kill me, Black Hood. Yeah, but Betty said, <laughs> not, no, not that I don't believe in you, you're behind me, you can't kill me. Because Betty says, he's coming here for you, and she's like, Betty, I put that behind me, how could he come here for me? <laughs> I put it behind me. This is what Edgar said would protect me. And then Betty's like, yes, mom, you putting it behind you is what is making him come here. He knows he knows about the, about the the, uh, the twins, one of whom is with Penelope. So they're safe, maybe. Maybe. Unless if I, I said I think Hal's breaking out to get the twins because he's a weirdo. <laughs> He so, has to protect them. So I think he's going to go to the, go, I I think there's going to be a scene where he kills a whole bunch of prostitutes. But they're such nice prostitutes. I know they are, but the, the that feels like the sort of thing this this series would do, doesn't it? It does. And then he's going to kidnap. Sin. Yeah, then he's going to get that little girl. Uh, no, the boy. Boy, Degwood with them? Yeah. Okay, so Juniper is that the thing. Yes. So he would get that little boy, and then he would need to get the other one because Edgar says, oh no, Betty. We'll protect you. It's safe here, because this is a castle. Which means Edgar has finally achieved his dream. So that's what I looked at and said, said, ooh, he could have been the Black Hood. I would, I'll be much, like this time, I'd be much more willing to accept that he set this all up and was able to set it up, versus Mm. Hal being able to quickly do it from jail. Mm. Maybe Hal is dead. 
Hal's not dead. There's no way Hal is dead. I mean, the other here's another option. Um, Edgar, here here's the way Hal could be dead. Um, you're supposed to think he's alive. Edgar killed him, like essentially caused the bus. Cra- this is insane, mm-hmm. by the way. Caused the bus bus accident. Left him, the hand, but left enough clues that Betty would assume assume that he's alive to essentially try to make Betty run towards safety, which is him. Which is him. This this does mean that Edgar has to be absolutely insane. Which means that Edgar has to be Charles Smith because he wants to get his family together. Yes. Which means it is very creepy. Let's just say, there's no outcome of this in these last two episodes. Either Hal's the Gargoyle King, or Edgar's the Gargoyle King, or Edgar is Charles, or Edgar is the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King, or the Gargoyle King is just some random person they use the 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 uh, the the name of, which is what I thought it was. But it turns out it's getting important. Yeah. At least these storylines are finally coming together. Yeah. Yeah. But none of that... Makes sense. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic took the deed to a beautiful 1950s-themed diner, only to discover what it actually had was drama? Um... You know, to be fair, this episode's actually pretty tight. Most of the things, most of the crazy things... Are too plot-specific yes, to be able to be like... are too important <laughs> to the plot. Yeah, you have to, look, you have, we have to look at something to figure out what, what could have been done in a better way. You want me to do one, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I can go first this time. Because um. I have one. Um, and I decided it has to be the that the way that Jughead found the gospel mm. um, is just he he gets called to the creepy gargoyle bus mm-hmm. and he happens and to he ha- put his hand on it. Yeah, like it's like essentially there's a bunch of cracks because everyone's ridden on a bus before you know the leather cracks and sometimes it pops up. He just decides to grab a random piece, flip it up, and then in there is the book. And I feel like I feel like there could have been other ways. This very clearly was a shortcut. Because yeah. there's no reason why EFP would call him to, you know, where he was kidnapped and where Kurtz died just to look at a bus. It's like they had a placeholder in the script and then they forgot to go back. Like, cause I do this sometimes when I'm writing stories. I'll be like, okay, in red, I'll be like, insert realization scene here. Because I know the realization has to happen. I'm just not quite sure. I would say that, but that bus set would be a pain to set up. I mean, I guess it's just a bus, though. They could pick any bus and just yeah, put, hang and just a bunch of creepy gargoyle stuff. I don't know. You know what mine is? What? And we've belabored it, but uh, it's Fangs. <laughs> Why is Fangs there? Why is Fangs there? Once again... <laughs> Why is anyone cool with the cult? Like, Betty doesn't tell anyone anything. They already paid Mad Dog to be in that episode and say lines. He could have been the guy that Archie... Because Fangs doesn't do anything else. He's just the guy who does the exhibition. He appears to be like, hey guys, come on, I'm cooling off. When's Archie going to get here? And like, the amount of work that's involved no fangs is i mean not fangs mad dog is in his training montage yeah because i was gonna be like was he only available for one day of filming and they couldn't fit all the scenes into one day (laughs) no 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 i don't know why i don't know why it's it's 
Fangs and not Mad Dog. Maybe Archie was afraid that Mad Dog would beat him. And he was like, Fangs is a lesser fighter. <laughs> Fangs has been a cultist for... He's, he sort of let his... his uh, I don't know. His... He let his fighting skills lapse yeah. while he was busy kissing Kevin at the cult. Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't know. Ah, what a bizarre episode. So weird. So weird. And we got two more episodes. Two more episodes. We're gonna we have the Black Hood. We have the Gargoyle King. We have whatever, whatever Veronica's Ed- gonna do. And whatever Edgar's been up to, which is something. <laughs> Everyone's doing something, though we have no idea what they are. By the way, I looked up how old the girl who plays Evelyn is, and yeah. she is in fact twenty six. Okay, sure. So she's playing her own age. So they say she's split the difference. Well she's yeah. thirty. Twenty six. Cheryl says, aren't you like 30? Okay. All right. She's she's explicitly 26. Yeah. Yeah. It was said last episode. I'll remember if she's 26 or 27. And and really, I know that doesn't mean anything at all if it's 26 or 27. Yeah. No, she's explicitly 26. That was was, was why I paused there because I was trying to be like, why am I thinking 27 so much? It's because we found out Archie was 17 this episode. Ah, yeah. So if he started doing this for a decade. Yes. He would be 27. Mm. Mmm. Mmm. Um, there's a lot. I don't think they can sew up these. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think yeah. we're, I don't think this is going to be a a pleasing conclusion. I don't think they can cuff those jeans. The the last episode's title is "Survive the Night," which makes me feel like another riot type thing is going to happen. Oh, uh, how many riots can one town have? Well, I think it's people going to be locked is the answer. in places or something. Calling it "Survive the Night" makes it feel like this, this is going to be something that takes place over one night, like a long night type thing. Ah, just like the not the Walking Dead Game of Thrones. I was more of a, like an Ascension Night type thing, but sure, yeah, <laughs> you can bring it to another property. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Guys. All right. Look. Uh, talk like this, to us. Yeah. Talk to us. We're on social medias. We'll wrap this up because we're going pretty long. Um, but this podcast MOA, podcast MOA on pretty much every Instagram, Twitter, And reward email. us for the work we've done and the thought we've put into this and researching <laughs> what Archie should weigh. Thinking about, it way, thinking about that boy's body way too hard. At least he's a grown man. Yeah. Um, but reward us with the likes and the subscriptions. And the five-star reviews. Yeah. Which we, I've realized we could have so many reviews and we can't see them because anyone who's reviewing us from America. We'd have to go, we have to go over to the American site. I think yeah. we'll be able to see them. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see you next week with the penultimate episode. Ooh. Ooh. The almost climax. Can the farm protect Betty? Will the Gargoyle King finish his quest? What else doesn't Veronica own? That's just all this and more next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast. <laughs>